Welcome to Mark Hummel's Blues Harmonica Party. I'm in the UK right now, playing in London, and uh, I'm interviewing my friend uh, Big Joe Lewis, who was uh, I, I met way back, way Long back in, in 1993, I think, or wow. 92, something like that. Yeah, when I went over to uh, Brussels to play at that yeah. Brussels Blues Festival, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Joe's career in the blues in the UK and and a lot of the different people you got to work with. And mm -hmm. Your thoughts and feelings about uh, the blues and how, uh, I guess, where your vision is of, of blues. I mean, you're, you're kind of mm -hmm. like me, it seems like, in the sense of... You you uh, like the older styles? Yeah, I listen to, <clears throat> I guess the older styles. But you know, music moves on. And mm -hmm. I would say to people that if I was a jazz fan in the twenties, right? You know, I wouldn't recognize Miles Davis or Keith Jarrett, right? You know, to me that wouldn't be jazz. But you know, music just moves on, and yeah. you find what you like, and then yeah. you adapt to it. Yeah, and I just do what I do. Yeah, and. I don't feel any much connection with what people do now. Yeah. You know, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I'm happy yeah. to do my thing. And... Right. Well, how, just tell me how you got into uh, into the blues and, and, and what your early experiences were with it. Well, <clears throat> you know, when I came came to, to Europe, you know, uh, as a child, I was from, uh, from Jamaica. So oh really? Born and raised there, so uh, you know we grew up listening to a whole different type of music. You know, right? Obviously reggae music and soul. We used to have Jackson Five cartoons and mm. you know that kind of stuff was right. Was big. You know, we didn't have Rolling Stones and all that right. sort of thing. So I came here, and um, that was what people were into. Like it was the hard rock, the Led Zeppelins, and the, right, all that kind of stuff. And man, I it just wasn't your thing. And I couldn't find, you know, music easily from back home. It was more difficult. And um, so I was searching around. I'd go to gigs and see people. And you know, one night I'd go and see Sylvester, you know, who's a disco right. artist. The next night might be The Clash. And it was right. kind of like, yeah, okay. And then, I don't know why, my mother got me a double album by Skip James. Really? Yeah. It was Van Gogh. Now, were you a teenager at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. like. 16 yeah and um, I thought oh this is this is deep and then I got a compilation album called all the blues all the time and it had how many will summer um, house rock and blues right good evening everybody this is wolf come to yeah right. and that was it I was just oh, oh <clears throat> it's interesting the way I mean you know your story I think all of our stories are so similar in the sense of that you know as teenagers we hear this and we and it would be just something that would, like, jump out and grab us. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, everyone I've ever talked to, that's kind of the deal, you know. Yeah, it, it was. The <clears throat> the other thing was that um, when I got to be about my early 20s, I became a crazy record collector. Right. So I was buying 78s, mostly 78s and 45s too. And I fell in with a bunch of older record collectors. Uh -huh. I mean, like, I was 20, they were, like, 35, and they... They'd done everything, and they'd seen, you know, Muddy come over, and James Cotton in 62 or whatever, and they'd been all around, and they knew so much, and they would, you know, he was I wanting to buy 
Walter Davis records or Babyface or Leroy. <laughs> 20. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah. okay. Oh. Do, you, do you know John Grimm? Right. Oh, no, okay. Oh, right. well, I, They're turning the audience. Yeah. And in those days, you know, before the internet and before everything was available on CD, for CDs, um, if I wanted to hear Country Jim or, I don't know, Jesse Thomas, that was how you, you, would, you would hear them. By the records, and so I never heard it through other. You know, a lot of people came to it because they might have heard Paul Butterfield or right, whatever. Right, and I never really heard it through that kind of thing. Others, I, never, yeah. I never kind of understood yeah. why would I listen to this person do a copy of Otis Rush? Right, <laughs> that was my attitude. Because there's yeah. Otis Rush, right? right. Think, well, right. Yeah, why yeah. would I listen to Eric? Why would I copy Eric Clapton's Hideaway when I can copy Freddie King's? Amen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was always more interested. You know, to me, whether somebody was really well-known or not didn't make a difference to me. Right. So to me, Charlie Booker or, um, you know, those early Lowell Ferguson records, just right. him and Martin. Right, oh, and that's so awesome stuff. Yeah. That was to me was just as good as the Throwers Gone. Right. You know, it, it moved me as much. And yeah. So yeah. I just started digging, 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 buying all these records and listening and learning. Yeah. And that's that's what happened. Yeah. And so, uh, so you were were you playing guitar at this point or? Yeah. Yeah. I started off as a saxophone player. Oh. Okay. Gave that up very very quickly because you can't do both. You can't sing and play. Right. Saxophone. Right. Um, so I started playing guitar. I had a, a partner, King David. We played two guitars, and one would play the bass, and the other would play the, the top part. Right. We did that, and we didn't know any other musicians. You know, we didn't know harmonica players or drummers. Or, right. You know, all the drummers were like rock players. And, now, were you in London at this point? No, I was in Kent, a little in place Kent. on the coast. Right. And um, <clears throat> so for years, you know. We were just playing duos, and then I moved to London, put a band together, and then uh -huh. that's where it took over. Double bass, and I'd never seen a right. double bass player before. Right. And uh, yeah, met, met some really good harmonica players. Yeah. yeah. So was this the 80s? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And what was it What was it called? What was the name of the band? Big Joe Lewis? And his Blues Kings. And his Blues Kings. Yeah. So it's always yeah. been that band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when did you hook up with Little George? Late 80s? Yeah, about 88. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I was playing with a harp player and he left. And um, we used to play a, a jam session for harp players. We'd mm -hmm. be the backing band. Really? really? Wow. And George came along and he'd not been playing too long, but, you know, there was something about him. Yeah. And we just heard it. And he sang as well, which was right. rare for all of us. Right. I don't need to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so when when my other heart player left, I asked George to come and play, and you know he was just he just got better and better. And better. Well, it was really cool to have. It's so cool to have a band where you got two vocalists because it yeah. really really expands. You know, and quite different. Yeah, different and sounds. you guys are such different singers. Yeah, yeah. It was, but, uh, it was you great. guys blew me away when I saw you in '93. Mm. It was like. I went, damn. Good times. Yeah, these yeah, kids really yeah, can do yeah, it. Good times. Yeah. yeah. So um, so tell me about some of the old timers that you were able to play with. 
play with and, and what did you get out of you know playing with the old towns over here well the first guy I guess I remember doing a show with Memphis Slim in the early 80s and just remembering how he was like a I mean, he was a giant, like physically. Mm -hmm. He was a really big guy. And he had yeah. these, these fingers that were like, they curved at the ends like bananas, right, like, like right, that. Right. And he, it was just him and a drummer, a French guy called uh -huh. Philip Combell. Right. And I they, they carried the show, and yeah. they were just so exciting. And it was just like a effortless, but wonderful. And then... I started hanging out with Eddie C. Campbell, who was, oh, okay, you know, yeah. from, he was from Chicago. He spent right. some time in the 80s living in London. I think he had to leave Chicago in a hurry. And like a um, we went to see him play, this King David and I, and we were talking to him afterwards. And he was, he was like, yeah, come around to, to my place. I'm staying, we'll talk. So we turned up with our guitars and he would tell us, to, to, did you know Magic Sam? And he was like, oh man, yeah. And the magic, and all these stories, and yeah. you know, the people that he used to play with, and he would show us how to play hideaway and, and play little things. And somewhere there's a tape of us, sort of just like, right. oh, is that how you do it? Right. And he was really cool. But then I got into when I put a band together, we'd be asked to back people. So I think the first guy I backed was Kerry Bell yeah. in the 80s, and then we did some stuff. I mean, <clears throat> lots and lots of people like. Lazy Lester and John Primer and did some stuff with Honey Boy, um, Big Jack Johnson. Yeah, um, he was awesome. Homesick. Yeah, uh, you know, Big Lucky Carter, remember Charlie Jackson. Yeah, Mud Morganfield later on. Oh, okay. Muddy Son and um, yeah, just a whole bunch. Benny Smith from St. Louis. Oh yeah, yeah. And Clara McDaniel, she she was really good too, but. People, people would. I knew a lot of promoters in the states who who work with these artists, mm -hmm. and they call. So me would they they contact you? Yeah. and help put together yeah. tours. Yeah, yeah, okay. or, or festival dates. So right. coming to this festival, we back as Booba Bones and oh, Big wow. Band Smithy. Yeah, those yeah, were. Yeah. Oh, that, that was a that was a great that was a great combination, man. Yeah, well, I, I saw Benny Carter. I, I mean Benny. Uh, what was Benny Smith? Turner? Oh, Benny Turner. Benny Turner. I saw Benny Turner with uh, with. Uh, Big Bad Smith. Yeah, he was the bass player. Yeah. Right? He used to yeah. play that one. No, 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 no. Benny, I think it was, it was it Benny Turner, the guy that from St. Louis? Was that no, Benny, Benny Smith? Smith. Okay, Benny Smith Benny was Smith. the guitar player. Who right, taught Ike. Taught Ike, Ike. Taught Ike. Ike's, right. Exactly. Yeah, Benny Smith, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. And they had uh, uh, Arthur um, Arthur Williams, Warren Hart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Orca. Really great show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of those guys, you know, when they used to come over, they needed people who kind of understood their music a bit so did you set up tours for those guys too no we usually went with agents but okay but, but we could connect them with people and right yeah yeah when, when those people was, were still here but right so what, what was your takeaway of uh of just how uh well there's a there's your phone light going off i don't know what that is yeah but uh, uh what was your takeaway of working with those guys you know as far as like I mean, the difference between, you know, the older black guys from, from America work, you know, working with the younger UK guys. I don't know. I think it was just like a... Was it a whole new world to you? To... 
Well, it, to be around this guy. You know, it wasn't like I'd been listening to the Rolling Stones and then all of a sudden there's this new... I, right, you know, we'd knew, already been we listening knew their to music, the genre. Yeah. But, but, you know, when you're playing with someone, you're absorbing the music on stage rather than just right. listening to records. That's, that's completely my different. Yeah. And I can remember uh, being quite surprised at some of the choices that the artists would sing. Yeah. And so I remember... T- doing a show with uh, Big Jack Johnson and, and he called Steeloy. And I go, oh, you know Steeloy. You know, it's getting late. Why can't we? I didn't know that song. Well, that's kind of the, it's sort of the Chilton circuit. Exactly. Well, we it's didn't, the this thing we didn't have. Thing, yeah. and, uh, and John Primer used to like to do Rhinestone Cowboy. Right. And of right. course, Lester used to love to play country music. Exactly. And so yeah. he'd say, Lonesome Fugitive, Merle Hagen. I go, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. So it was good to kind of stretch you right. and, and expose you to... Right. Um, experiences you can't just learn off an old record. Yeah, well, I always thought that there was this funny thing between the English musicians or European musicians in general and then the blue skies coming over was almost a culture clash. Yeah. You know. But the thing was, if you wanted to learn from it, you 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 kind of absorbed what it was that they, yeah. like you say. I mean, in a way, that was an education, just yeah. being able to play with these guys. I mean, yeah. that that was my feeling too. And, and and spending you know two weeks on the road with right. with Lazy Lester or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a whole lot of you got a whole lot of Lester. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, that that stuff is just yeah. Priceless time. It is priceless because they're all gone. Yeah. Everybody we're talking about except for Primer, I think, is yeah. departed. I saw John a couple of weeks ago. Right. He was on right. a great time. Yeah. Yeah. He still sounds great. Yeah. I agree. So now you played also in a band that was very popular in the UK, uh, the Big Town Playbook. Yes, I did. And you joined when Mike Sanchez left. Yeah. And you were there a couple of years? Two years. Two so years. we made one record. Right. And it was a nice change of pace for me because, you know, I'm working in a band with saxophones. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of not what I'm used to. No, no, no. But, you yeah. know, I always loved you know, like people like Jimmy McCracklin right. and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, tougher. You know, Mike was more a West Coast Slightly right. smoother, you know. I couldn't ever carry a child. She was around. almost like she was almost like Amos Milburn. Yeah, Amos Milburn, yeah. Little Willie, Little Phil, right. those kind of guys. Right. Um, but just working, you know, they were a really good band and working yeah. with horns. It was good fun. We did some yeah. travels. Yeah, you know, quite a lot of travel. Now, was Andy Sylvester still in no, here? Andy had left. Andy had left okay. a few years earlier, which was a shame. You know, we had a he great guitar player, but yeah. you know, I used to see the big town playboys and yeah. just watch Andy and. Yeah, he would like take one solo a night. Yeah, and it was just so great. It was great. Yeah, you know, very yeah. understated and yeah. underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing too. Too uh, for me about blues is that the really the kind of blues I think probably both of us really like is not a flashy. It's not a super flashy thing. It's not sports guitar. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not uh, technically always adept, but there's a feel to it, and there's a sense of phrasing. Yeah, it's, it's the feeling that you know moves me. So you know, I'd rather hear. I can't remember who said it, but it was something like you know, like 
one verse of Lightning Hopkins right. is worth more to you than the Beatles. Everything they ever did. Right. You just right. I can hear that. You can just like, yeah. wow, you know, war news. Yeah. Yeah. You may turn your radio on, hear the news every day, and you know some of that career, and you just go, wow, that's yeah. So it's chills down. You, yeah. You know, it's heavy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, you've started doing a lot more solo stuff. Yeah, I always liked doing it. And then... Um, was that because of the pandemic? No, I was doing it before that. But, yeah. You know, I'm a full-time musician, and um, it was a easy way to make a living, you know, so you can go and play at a bar, mm-hmm. turn up with an amp or house amp or whatever it is. Right. And um, I liked it. It was freeing. Just being able to play exactly what you want, speeding up, slowing down, not having to... Right. Worry about somebody else. Worry about somebody else, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like it. I love yeah. playing with my with my trio because they're yeah. just like... Yeah. And you guys have all been playing together a lot. For yeah, a long Pete, time. Peter, my drummer, who's playing this guy, right. uh, I think it's about 19 years. Wow. You know, How about Lewis? Lewis, I think he's the new guy. He's, I think, six, seven. Yeah. Yeah, so he's... Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on to Lewis Fielding. Lewis Fielding is a great yeah. guitar player. Yeah. yeah, and he he was with George before that. Right, exactly. that's where that's where he learned a lot exactly. of great stuff. Yeah, George, yeah, yeah. So, what did you? How did you make it through the pandemic? I sat out in the garden, played <laughs> a lot of records. I cooked. I was grateful that I had a home. Yeah. Um, I didn't spend as much. Yeah. You know. Right. Um, it was fine. I was just lucky. I had I had COVID really bad at the beginning. Did you really? And um, yeah, March 2020, it was pretty rough. Yeah. But um, I made it through and it was a nice summer. And I looked in my, like I say, I looked at what I had and I was, I was very blessed. Yeah. And I knew work would come back. And, you know, being a solo guitar player, singer. You're kind of the first guy getting hired back. There you go. You know, right? When you can't have three people on stage, you can always have one person on right. stage. And so that's, that worked pretty well for me. That's yeah. good. Well, it sounds like you're working a whole lot, especially the fact you got, you said the blues kits and said that really a yes. staple yeah. for you. Yeah. 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 And other places, but the blues kitchens have been. Uh, uh-huh really good for, not just for me, but for other musicians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you still travel uh, much in Europe? Yeah, not as much as I, as I did. Yeah. Um, which is, is actually okay. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to Germany and uh, Austria and maybe Switzerland in a couple of months. And, mm-hmm. um, a few trips here and there. I usually go to Denmark and Sweden right. every so often. And, um, but... Um, sometimes it's nice, you know, I've done a lot of traveling, you know, sometimes it's nice to sleep in your own bed. Yes, it is. I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. 